Welcome back to another episode of IJ Notes, the podcast of the International Journalists Network. I'm Eloisa Kimi, a communications and marketing officer with iGenet's parent organization, ICFJ. For this episode of our environmental journalism series, we're focusing on local environmental reporting, from what that means to why it's important and how it's done. We'll explore what local journalism brings to the way the climate crisis is covered and the intersection of solutions journalism and the way we cover the climate emergency. Today, we're joined by Tristan Bark, an environment reporter from the Times-Picayune, a New Orleans-based newspaper. His work focuses on coastal restoration, fisheries, and the oil industry. He worked with ProPublica on a series about industrial pollution that earned the Society of Environmental Journalists' prestigious Pulliam Award in 2020. He was also a Ted Scripps Environmental Journalism Fellow at the University of Colorado and an MIT Environmental Solutions Initiatives Journalism Fellow. Hi, Tristan. We're so happy to have you on. Hi, glad to be here. Can you tell me a bit more about you and your career? So I got started... Um, in journalism, uh, kind of covering sort of general assignment, uh, you know, kind of, you know, everything under the sun uh, for a small paper on an island uh, near where I'm from, which is Washington State. And uh, from there, I, you know, started covering uh, city government um, and then uh, some more, you know, kind of like statewide issues uh, state politics. And then I did a year-long fellowship uh, in environmental journalism at the University of Colorado. It's the Ted Scripps Fellowship. And my paper gave me a year to do that and come back and then uh, sort of take over our environmental beat. And so I did that um, for a year, came back, was the environment reporter there at the Kitsap Sun for about couple more years. And then I've been with the Times-Picayune covering environment since 2017. You're also part of the first class of the MIT Environmental Solutions Initiative Journalism Fellowship. Can you please tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, that was a really uh, a cool opportunity. Um, they really wanted to do um, sort of support journalism um, in areas that are heavily impacted by climate change, but also maybe have a population um, that is skeptical of climate change, that maybe has, you know, a, a legacy like like in Louisiana of an industry that is contributing to climate change, but is also kind of fading away. So, you know, in Louisiana, we have uh, the oil and gas jobs are kind of fading. And, and um, so, kind of they wanted to they wanted to explore solutions you know to to those problems and so the project I worked on was um, um, offshore wind energy and that's sort of uh, you know both a climate solution and it's an economic solution you know because a lot of those um, oil and gas jobs that are fading um, are directly transferable to offshore wind, and that industry is kind of already taking shape here, where people from that industry are already switching over. Why do you think it's important for local outlets to cover the climate crisis? I think for the same reason it's important for local outlets to cover anything, you know, because uh, anything that's important, you know, because the national outlets are not going to cover your local school board, they're not going to cover your local city government. 
And for the most part, they're not going to cover your local environmental issues, you know, except sporadically, they're going to parachute in and not give it a lot of dedicated coverage. And it's not going to be done by journalists who, you know, know the community, know the players really well, and can cover it over time, I think, is is a big reason. And you know, in environmental journalism is just covering the environment in general is is important everywhere. And um, you know, local local publications as as much as they can, they they are covering it and should be covering it, even if they can't have dedicated beats or reporters on it. You know, it it's an issue that you know is is in every beat, anyways. What can local journalism bring to the way the climate crisis is covered and you know what can environmental journalists working at national outlets learn from local climate reporters well i think that they can teach them the nuances of the issues and you know i i get it a lot where you know when we do have kind of a national story happening here i get a lot of uh, national journalists asking me, what do I do? Who do I talk to? You know, should I, you know, like we had a hurricane a couple months ago, we had Ida and I had, you know, a number of national journalists come and, and just ask, is it safe? You know, is it safe to go to this part of Louisiana? You know, where should I go if I want to find these types of people? Um, so, you know, I think that because you know, local journalists have been added for a while in a specific place. You know, they they do know the terrain, they know the geography, they also know the people. And, you know, it's an issue here with trust, like some communities here don't trust outsiders or people from out of state or people who aren't from their community. Um, so, you know, having spent time here and, and covered those communities, I do have a sense of trust built over time with some of those places. So it's it's maybe a little I can I can get in and get stories a little quicker and more seamlessly than you know somebody who's who's just starting from zero, I guess. Right. And do you think that trust is also, you know, not only sources will trust you more to talk to you, but also your audience when reading you know, I, I know there's a bunch of research about how people trust local outlets more than they do national ones. So I'm assuming that has, you know, a role, especially when covering the climate crisis, because so many people are skeptical of it. So, you know, maybe I'm assuming local journalism might have an advantage here in really educating people about the crisis. I, you know, I hope so. I hope that's true. Um, I think a lot of people see the media as just this one big thing, you know, like, and, and they don't trust the whole big thing. They don't trust the media at all. But, you know, I do, I do feel like um, in some cases, uh, you know, people, people here do know the Times-Picayune all over the state. And, you know, they do have history with it. Um, you know, their grandmother sub used to subscribe to it before we stopped, you know, delivering papers down the bayou, that kind of a thing. And so there's there's maybe a little uh, more built in credibility, I guess. And because they they know of you and they know that, 
you know, their politicians read it or their family reads it, um, it might have carry a little more weight with them. Just as an example, um, this doesn't have to do with environmental journalism, but we had um, a report, a local reporter who was working for ProPublica. He was doing a story about, you know, all kinds of really bad stuff that are happening with the local sheriff's department. And um, the sheriff just would not talk to that reporter at all, even though he was doing this big investigative piece and it was going to come out and, you know, it was it was going to hit pretty hard or so that that was the theory. But one of our editors talked to that sheriff who has a good relationship and said, you know, why why won't you talk to this reporter um, because we also were going to republish all those stories. And the sheriff said, you know, I don't care about ProPublica and nobody I know cares about or reads ProPublica. So that's going to come out, but nobody I know is going to care. But my editor convinced him to maybe open up a little bit because we were going to publish it in the Times Picayune. So therefore, the people he does care about are going to read it. And so going back to sources, you know, when I read a story on the climate crisis in big national outlets. Sources are usually politicians, scientists, very rarely, you know, normal people who are actually being affected by the climate crisis. How does that change when you're covering um, the environment from a local perspective? You know, I think one approach that I've taken in in that recent um, series on offshore wind power is kind of an illustration of it where, you know, I didn't actually talk to that many climate scientists or or any at all, you know, and it it is a climate issue. Um, Who I really talked to, the biggest advocates for offshore wind and the most credible, knowledgeable advocates in Louisiana about offshore wind are actually people in the oil and gas industry. You know, they're people with, you know, they're Republicans with the Cajun accents. And, you know, they're the ones who are already working in the industry. They know it's viable. They see a really bright future in it. And I think that that approach can maybe, you know, make people a little bit more open to a story like that when they see people that they recognize and they trust um, talking about this as a viable industry, as opposed to calling up, you know, the National Sierra Club and having the Sierra Club say, you know, Louisiana really needs to switch to offshore uh, wind. It's it's not going to, it's not really going to fly so well in Louisiana. Right. Well, offshore wind is one small solution to climate change. So how do you know, solutions, journalism, and environmental journalism intersect? You know, why, if it is, is it important for you to, you know, incorporate solutions journalism when covering the climate crisis? Well, it's it's sometimes hard to, to do that because the solutions don't always feel like they measure up to the problems that, you know, offshore wind is a small part of this bigger problem. And it is it is sometimes you, you don't want to you don't want to, you know, overblow things and say, you know, that if you recycle, you're going to save the planet or something like that. Um, but also, 
you know, I, I feel like there's a tendency for people to tune out of the issue um, because it does seem so bleak and um, they might see another headline about climate change and just turn away and not even engage with it. But I think if people feel like there is a glimmer of hope or that, that, that there is something constructive, at least constructive, that's happening, um, they'll be more likely to, to read and then, you know, learn more about the issue. Well, talking about engaging people and making sure people are reading the story and not tuning out, do you have any, you know, recommendations, tips on kind of new different angles for covering the climate emergency? I know that's a question we get a lot. Like, I don't want to do the obvious story. Like, how do I incorporate the climate emergency in what I'm writing about? Well, I mean, the approach I always take is that it's the stories are going to do best with readers and they're going to engage readers more if they're about people. And so, you know, if it is a story about scientists, uh, you know, and, and their findings, I try to, you know, uh, link it to the landscape or link it to the people doing something, you know, go out in the field with the scientists, kind of show people what the scientists are doing and sort of put some action into it. And, you know, hopefully that engages people more than just, you know, a, sort of a, a boring or dry policy or, or science focused story. But if, if I can connect it with some people and some characters and some action in places, I, I think that helps a lot. Great. Um, any other tips for local journalists covering the climate crisis? Anything that can be done better? I don't know. I think that, you know, it's it's tough in, in local journalism to to have have the freedom to really focus on environmental issues, you know, uh, a lot or or as a full time beat. And so I know that makes it hard for a lot of local journalists. But um, I guess one tip I would offer is there's a lot of um, grants and fellowships and other opportunities out there that help support that sort of thing that help pay for travel or for training um, that that I've taken advantage of and have been you know hugely helpful for me. All right well that concludes our conversation. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. Thanks for having me on. For more episodes and resources on environmental journalism, you can follow iGenet on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or check out our website, iGenet.org.